Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Strikes Back. My name is George and you're listening to the weekly movie show with the boy Connor. Hello. Benny. Hi there. Well, it's Oscar week, as it always is in February, and we've got some winners, we've got some losers. We're going to be talking about that, uh, some controversies along the way, no doubt. Uh, we've also got some news about Sam Raimi possibly being involved in the Marvel Universe. I think everyone's jumping the gun a bit there. We're going to be talking about that. Plus, also a little bit later in the show, we've got uh, something really cool, uh, a preview for Fantastic Film Fest Australia, which is a, a really cool festival coming through to Sydney uh, in late February, early March. Uh, so just really cool that kind of programming is coming on. So we're going to be talking about a few films that we're really excited to see there. Which is really exciting, isn't it, Benny? You're, so you're, exciting. You're, the, you're kind of like the indie art house film buff guy of this podcast, I feel like I, I have say. to take that mantle. Somebody has to because you guys just use me. morons <laughs> over here. Uh, Philistines. Um, uh, otherwise, this movie podcast falls apart. Uh, this is pretty cool that this kind of stuff's coming through. Uh, yeah, this is a pretty weird and wacky looking festival. Some very off the beaten path movies. Um, I, I want to be there for every one of them. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, listen, as we always like to do before we jump into the news and whatnot, let's catch up on what everyone has been watching. If there's any highlights of the week, Connor. Um, I've got two. So um, I mentioned that, <laughs> unbeknownst to me, my stand uh, subscription isn't cancelled. <laughs> um, so I took it upon the opportunity to go through and check out if there's anything worthwhile watching on that. And one that caught my eye was when I had seen a, some trailers for last year, which was Miracle Workers with um, Buscemi and uh, Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter, Harry Potter. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, fuck it. I've, I've still got it. I might as well check that, chuck that on. Um, and I've always really been impressed with what Daniel Radcliffe has done post Harry Potter. I think that he chooses some very interesting projects, mm. particularly when he picks these kind of TV series that aren't really um, high profile or anything like that. So um, I was keen to give it a, a shot. And... Uh, look, I was I was pleasantly surprised with this. Um, I'm not going to oversell it and say it's got fantastic writing um, or anything like that. Um, but I think that this TV show has a lot of heart. Um, it's a little bit quirky in some very fun ways. Um, uh, and I think if you don't take it too seriously, if you just it, you know, it it's a really wonderful watch. Um, Looked like a lot of fun. It was basically like the bureaucracy of heaven or something, right? With yeah. God so the and- premise is that that um, essentially. God is frustrated with with Earth, and he goes, "Oh fuck it, let's just blow it up." Mm. Um, and the gimmick is that Heaven Inc. is like a, a corporation that people work in, um, and there were some really cool concepts with that that they played around with. Um, I remember that one now. Now you yeah, jogged d- my memory uh, there. Buscemi as God, yep. so kind of like the most. Um, out of left field casting you could probably pick. I feel like there was a few trailers that we reviewed on that one. Mm. It might have been, yeah. Seems and like there, it might have been a, a little more attention grabbing if the good place hasn't hadn't existed for a bunch of years. Yeah, and I think, but I, this is, I, I feel, a lot less, I, I don't think it takes itself as seriously mm. as as a good place. It's a good place. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Have you, you know, watched much of the comparatively. Good <laughs> no, I mean, in, just in terms of like, it, it, it's a short, like I think they're 30 minute episodes or six episodes a season. Mm. Um, season two is out now. I've watched two episodes of that. Um, it's same cast, but completely different um, setting. Different it's the Dark Ages, isn't story. it? Yeah, it's the Dark Ages. Yeah, nice. um, they all play different characters. They all kind of swap around. It's just, it's really fun, um, 
good time writing, essentially, mm. um, or storytelling. So yeah, I I recommend checking that out if if you don't want to invest too much time or. Maybe I um, will ha- have a look with my Stan account that I also, for some reason, still have. Yeah, there you go. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe that Stan's like um, strategy is just to fly under the radar and like, don't cancel me because mm. you don't know I'm here. It's like delete their own like app every yeah. now and then just so you forget it's there. <laughs> Thought I was gone. <laughs> um, the other thing I watched is the complete opposite of uh, you know kind of lovely little watch, no kind of uh, like fun little writing, and that was um, Good Time uh, with Rabbit. Robert Pattinson. Yeah, for real? Nice. Yeah. I watched that as well. Oh, did you really? So I think... One of what the re- are the odds? Yeah, what are the odds? <laughs> um, so after Good Gems... No, Uncut Gems. <laughs> um, I think this just showed up on Netflix. I don't know if this is a new release or they kind of... It's been there for years. ...popped it up in the rankings because of um, uh, Uncut Gems. But uh, this is... Uh, Safdie, where was it? Uh, this is 2016. No, no. Where, where did you... What streaming service did you watch Netflix. the songs? Netflix. It's been on there for years. Dude, I searched Netflix. It wasn't on there. It's yeah, on there. Yeah. Yes, it definitely is. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Sorry. My <laughs> yeah. bad. Sorry. I'm confusing it with another good, movie I watched. You're not sorry, thinking Good sorry. Times, yeah, yeah, are you? Because yeah, that's a different yeah, yeah, film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that as well. Yeah, sorry. That, yes, yes. Good I watched time. it on Netflix. Robert Pattinson. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sweet. We're on, we're on board. Uh, you watched that this week? I did. Yeah. So um, coming off Uncut Gems, I was really interested to see, because I don't think I've watched anything else by, is it Safdie Brothers? Safdie or Safdie Brothers. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've, I've watched anything else from them so upon putting this on one of the things that became startlingly clear is that they they have a style for sure a very distinct style and um and it's attacking the anxiety center of your brain and yeah (laughs) right but even in the cinematography cinematography, and i did a bit of digging because they they're so focused on the face you know it's even more so uncut gems is like way more really close up Angles like you're in the character, and a lot of, but also a lot of like them. really wide, far off shots. Yeah. So like especially when they're following cars or they're looking in at- those in, in those interim shots. But when those in character interactions <laughs> yeah. are happening, and then I did a bit of reading, and they use a longer lens, so a lens for m- more far away. Yeah, because they do um, a lot of slow zoom back. shots. Yeah, they sit back, so they for twofold to get that effect of it really like claustrophobic and yeah. narrow. And that's definitely the the feeling that you get yeah. with these films, and and also, <clears throat> also to leave the actors have a distance, you know, not have a camera right in their face, yeah, you know, give them three five meters, yeah. you know, to to kind of like absorb the scene and and kind of involve themselves. Yeah. So yeah, so, this is really this is really great. It and is. I, wa- it, I watch this for exactly the same reason. I think that it's a um, little less polished than Uncut Gems. Um, feels a lot more indie. It does. One of the things that struck me though was that it's so tonally the same, and the it felt very much like the same kind of message. That I'm, I don't know whether what their back or their catalog looks like. From my knowledge, that these are only the the two major films that they've done. Mm-hmm. I've got a few other films that you can watch of theirs, but this, those really? are the two first major ones, really. Okay. Um, the first two major ones. Yeah, yeah. go check out their, oh, go, so go check like out their Wikipedia. Films. Yeah, yeah and, and, okay, and some shorter features um, and whatnot. I'm really interested for their third major film release uh, because I think that, for me, will make it or break it. Because if their third film is tonally and kind of story-wise the exact same, 
I feel like I'll become a little bit disinterested. I, I like directors that have a, a feel or a tone to them, but I, I do want a little bit of variability. And I was trying to think about that because one of my favorite um, directors, I think, of the last decade is Villeneuve. And I, there is definitely a, a, a tone to his movies, but they're not gimmicky. And they're not like there's enough variability in his is in his filmography that you kind of go like all right like you know the 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 tone is a bit understated it's a bit step back and let you kind of um I guess feel the movie whereas this one is very much in your face like it's hardcore seventies eighties synth um it's grainy it's you know kind of it almost feels like uncut gems is like the the polished yeah version exactly. of good time yeah. Which I think, um, I think it's awesome, and I and I believe there's a few other ver- like they've had uncut gems sitting there for ten years. Hmm. So maybe even Good Time was their version of an stripped down uncut gems. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, exactly. But right. I, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I completely un- I understand what you you're saying in terms of there's a lot of similarities in the pieces in the mm-hmm. suspense. Um, in the music the is by of, the same guy. You're, you're in one. You sort of sort of a day in the life. Yep. You know, you're not seeing this over a period of months. You're seeing like a a night. Um. So you know, I do see those parallels, but for me, they are different enough to stand on their own. But it will be interesting where, to I see. Mean, where do you find the differences, really? The difference like, is, what, in what is definitely in the characters. Out? I think I think Good Time has definitely got more of an art house indie feeling to it. It's also a shorter feature. Um, good and time. I, good time. Good yeah. time's the shorter one. Uh, and it's got the, more of that sort of, it's got more of that uh, first feature kind of feeling to it. Whilst Uncut Gems has more polish to it. You've got Adam Sandler who's bringing um, a different kind of character to the fold. You know, I think Robert Pattinson was amazing in this and yeah. I think his character was awesome. But I think you could have maybe put in another actor who would have done as good a job. With that, with uncut gems, I feel like Adam Sandler owns that. Mm. So, so, and and you can't really swap the, out. The movie kind of hinges on his persona completely in a, in a large so way. So, I do. You, think- you've seen both of these, right, Ben? Yes. Yeah, I'm assuming. So I've just been talking about good time on the show for years. <laughs> sorry, I'm so <laughs> I, sorry. I, I, sorry. It's all right. So it's all right. I, I'm so that was, sorry. That was one of the things I was going to do. <laughs> um, and and I. Were you going to shake his hand? No, I was going to I wasn't going to say anything until you just asked that. Because <laughs> I, I know I know that you've mentioned it before. Yeah. So I was pretty confident that you had seen it. I wasn't sure whether you had. I had talked a about the Safety brothers. I had a feeling a that you had talked mm. about it on the. Yeah, podcast. because what like what an unbelievably assured debut like. I just feel like they're this part of this new school of filmmakers who are bursting out here. Most of them I find are doing horror, but these guys just came out and, and made this movie that I'm, you instantly go like, where have these guys come from? And yeah. what are they going to do with this career? They're amazing. Um, and and ben, Benny so Safdie in particular, as uh, Robert Pattinson's brother in yes. the film, I thought was amazing. Was Incredible. that Safdie? Yeah. yeah. He was oh, one no of way. the directors of the film. And yeah. I'm like, I, like, I looked him That's up wild. immediately after the film because I'm like, who is this actor? Because he was really affecting, affecting in that small role. Um, and I'm like, oh, no, he's the writer, director, editor of the film as well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just think these guys are so cool. And I, I get what you're talking about, the similarities between these two movies. Which um, I don't think for, is a bad thing. For me, me, I think there's definitely enough differences as well. Yeah. And I, like, I just cannot wait to see what they do for the rest of their careers. Yes. Yeah. Let, me, let me clarify. As at, the, at these two films, I don't mind the similarities. I really don't. Because, like, I mean, I noticed it, but it, it doesn't detract, I think. Which is why I'm hanging out for their third because mm. I feel like the way that I the, the that I 
the way I feel about these films is that Uncut Gems is just a more polished kind of um, honing of the craft of these filmmakers version of Good Time. Mm. And and that, I don't think that really takes away anything from Good Time because it has its own kind of, like you said, more indie, um, rough style to it. But if I feel as though the third is just kind of, I, I'd like to see directors try and expand their wheelhouse, go a little bit out of their comfort zone, try different things. Um, and, uh, and so that, that's where I'm going to, I think that that's why I'm so interested in it. So I watched this again a few weeks ago. Um, and George, I wanted to ask you when you, when you eventually saw it, cause you were very enamored with the, the score in Uncut Gems. How'd you like the good time one? Cause I fucking Incredible. love it. It's Incredible. so, so good. Honestly. And the cues in it, the way they use sound. Amazing. Mm. Same, same guy. Just um, spot doesn't. on. Like I, I am so into his sound and it is very similar across Good Time and Uncut Gems. It has that warbly yeah. analog synth mm. with the 70s psychedelic tinges to there was it. The, the, at least one scene uh, that I was, you know, it was a really long shot of a, of a car driving down a, um, a highway and the, the guy was just going at it on the, like it sounded like a guitar, like... Like, oh my God, this guy is just... He is, he's, he's just he's just he, tripping right yeah, now. He's just having the greatest time <laughs> so scoring this thing. So we actually do have, I just Wikipedia'd it, uh, we do have future projects of the Safdie brothers. Cool. So the Hollywood Reporter in uh, announced that they will helm a remake of 48 Hours, which is a uh, buddy cop action comedy from 1982. Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy? Exactly. Mm. Uh, which is one I haven't actually seen. Uh, so... They have then gone ahead and said that uh, the film is that while the still film is still being made, it could no longer be considered a remake. The script would be intended to be a reshifting into something original. So I think they're using that IP, but they're they're shifting it into something completely different. So obviously well, a body cop thing from them. Let's do it. Get Let's- Adam Sandler and Arpats. I would watch <laughs> that in a second. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> no. Don't tease me with that, man. <laughs> no. But yeah. So I, I don't even think that they're going to use the original IP, actually, from from what it's saying, on at least on Wikipedia, Compl- that really reliable source. Could be. But- Could be. Anyway, listen, even if they do another suspenseful thing and do exactly, like if they literally do, if we're saying these two are very similar, do the same thing again. Good time too. I'm in. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic film. Nice. I also, well, I also... I've watched something that you've been watching, Ben, The Outsider. Mm. Uh, I, I realized that I hadn't canceled my Foxtel Now subscription. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be a common theme. This is so upsetting. But then I was like, that oh, yeah. Expensive. yeah. Well, that, that's <laughs> where my money's going. <laughs> Great. Uh, so I was like, oh, I'm actually kind of glad I kept it. Nice. So this is the HBO Stephen King adaptation. Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman, Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> um, how many have you watched? I've watched two episodes. Nice. And it's obviously got that HBO stamp of approval, super polished. Jason Bateman is a very good director. Mm. Uh, it's it's not quite as Stephen Kingy as some as most of his films. They've got more of a fantastical. So there's there's something about them. They've got that Stephen King edge to it. Yeah. I don't feel like this does. Yet. It's kind of got its own vibe. <laughs> yeah. uh, exactly. But what's to come? Let's see where it goes. But overall, really enjoying it and the whole alibi and the, the premise, it's 
you know, it's quite interesting. Did he murder him? How can he be in two places at once? Mm. Uh, it's 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 really well done, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm it sucks that it comes out weekly. I kind of wanted to smash it. In you, one, it's one of those, isn't it? One, yeah. one go. But I, it's becoming alas. more and more apparent that uh, some of these streaming services are doing that specifically because they don't want people um, going for their key properties and then dumping Bailing. the service. Yeah. Um, Just smart. Uh, look, it, it is. Um, yeah. To be honest, I don't have a, okay, I don't have a comeback. I'm just what saying, I like, really yeah, like is. about the whole weekly thing is that you get to experience each episode a mm. little bit more in depth. You can sit on it for a while. When it comes out all at once, you're like, Haunting of Hill House. The whole show is awesome. Mm. You know, but when it comes out weekly, you're like, Ooh, episode three of The Mandalorian was awesome. Episode four wasn't so great. La, 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 la. But I feel like that's kind of how, how a lot of these shows are evolving to, to kind of be Keep less episodic. Going. Yeah, be less episodic and be more kind of as a whole, which I personally like. Some I, do and some don't, I guess. Yeah, true, but if you think about Haunting of Hill House, certainly had its own kind of episodic feel. There's, there's distinct reasons as to why it is each episode. For me, feels as though it is a, a a a piece, a singular piece. Whereas some other f- um, TV shows, you know, I don't know why I just thought of it, but like Firefly, for example, is very episodic, um, and is definitely meant to be consumed monster you know, of the week, one at a time. That that um, modern gem of TV, Firefly. Well, no, because I'm talking about how, how TV has evolved. Well, I'd say The Outsider, um, for example, if we're comparing that to, say, The Mandalorian, Mandalorian feels like you can jump into one episode and pick it up. It's like Monster of the Week. He's on an adventure of that week. There was mm. only one episode where it was a two-parter out of those yeah. first eight episodes. Whilst The Outsider, it feels like an extended movie. You know, it, it feels like this could, this could have been potentially put into a screenplay of a two-hour film. Mm-hmm. Definitely does, but I feel like every episode ends with a hook and it always gets me. I'm like, oh, I cannot wait to see the next oh, one. 100%. So, I'm not saying, but I, I feel like if you're comparing those two together, yeah, one it feels yeah. like one complete. You came complete. in halfway through Outsider and <laughs> yeah. confused as fuck. Yeah. Reminds you, me a bit of Mindhunters. Um, yeah, man, I'm glad you're liking it because I, I was really liking it for that um, those first couple episodes. The third one came along and it introduced uh, Cynthia Erivo as a private investigator character. I, be- I believe it's the third episode. Um, and I think I, I really started liking the show even more. Cool. So I'll be interested to hear how you go with it. Great. Um, and I say this every week, but I hope it sticks the landing. Yep. <laughs> That's always the Stephen King like, all right. Mm. <laughs> uh, on to me? Yeah. Do it. Cool. Well, as I mentioned last week, I or the week before, I remembered that I still had my Amazon Prime <laughs> streaming <laughs> account. Um, yeah. So I watched something from last year that I've been, I like loved the trailer and never got around to watching it, which is... Um, undone the the uh, the animated or rotoscoped series, um, starring what's her name from uh, uh, Rosa Salazar from uh, Alita Battle Angel, um, from the creators of BoJack Horseman, um, about the 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 trailer premise. I think yep, was yeah, I know exactly. She this gets, is the time travel gets in a car accident, and then yep. yeah, is in like the. That's right. I do remember this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we completely yeah, yeah, yeah. slept on this fucking thing. Yeah, because um, I remember we, we reviewed the trailers for this a couple of times. This, it looks super interesting. 
Yeah, and so interesting that we're just talking about this whole weekly and episode episodic thing. I don't know if this came out weekly or not. I'm um, putting this on my to watch list. Good, All but right. I, I sat there and I watched eight episodes in one sitting. Um, I absolutely love this show. Um, I think it's one of my favorite pieces of content produced last year. Um, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, Would have this made on your top 10 pieces of content last year? I mean, I was only doing movies, but if I was doing TV as well, absolutely. Um, Does it look awesome? It's gorgeous, yeah. Like, it's got that real Scanner Darkly kind of look. It's just breathtaking, every frame of it. Um, I couldn't look away. Um, And that's annoying because I usually like to sit there and play Tetris while I'm watching TV. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, Rosa Salazar crafts a character uh, with the writers, of course, that is just one of the most engaging fictional characters I think I've seen in so long, which is so interesting because she's just like a human woman. There's no big sci-fi hook to this initially or anything. Like the first episode, there's no fantastical elements whatsoever. And I was hooked by the end of that episode because um, it's just that, that you know, Bojack Horseman, amazing human writing yep. um, that, that just really speaks to everyone, I think. Um, and then, of course, it goes off into really crazy kind of science fiction-y territory. And then like Bob Odekirk shows up as her father um, and it's just really mind-bending, awesome stuff that after the first episode, you're like, I'm not sure why this is rotoscoped, despite how beautiful it looks. And then every other episode, you're like, that's why it's rotoscoped. Oh, I understand now. It's amazing, yeah. yeah. Um, so, how, I, how long is each episode? Uh, it's just like a half-hour show, so like cool. 20 minutes or whatever. Okay. Oh, um, awesome. I, you ripped through it pretty fast. I, I just sat there. Like, however long each episode combined is, that's how long Did it took me to watch it. Did you your VR goggles? I did not. That would oh, be a bit scary, be, yeah. I think. Um, I, I love, um, you know, some of these shows that are coming out that are, are doing the 30-minute, the just six episodes, 12 episodes thing yeah. that you can get through I completely quickly. agree. I, mm. I'm really a fan of that. Everyone was complaining about that with The Mandalorian, and I thought that was awesome about it. 35, 40 minutes, bing, bada, boom. Oh, right, yeah, because they were, they were a bit irregular, weren't they? A bit shorter in a lot of cases. I'm sure the Marvel shows will be a pretty similar length, right? Have they confirmed? No. I don't, I don't think have, we've don't actually think we've had any, any word, ooh, any word on memory. runtime. I want them to be three hours each, each episode. <laughs> <laughs> I want those WandaVision ones to be at least, <laughs> at least oh, dude, that. They're, they're going to be half hour. They're going to be 40 minutes. Um, what, anyway. what are they spending on them? Something like There's like $3 million an episode or something? It's like, something uh, ridiculous it's like $25 million an episode. 15. It's, that's not half an hour. No way. Surely not. Yeah. Dude, that's what they're spending on Mandalorian. Guys, before we get into the news, don't forget to check out our Birds of Prey review or it's retitled Harley Quinn, the Birds of Prey or, or something. Has it? What, what, yeah, it what? got retitled today after the poor box office weekend. Did you see that? I did not. Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. In some markets I heard it said, I, I don't know. So go check out our review for that. And uh, on to the news. Alrighty, can I say what else I watched first? The movie news. Sorry, did I completely <laughs> just? I'm just like <laughs> you've had your say. That's enough from you. Thank you very much. Well, I'd first like to wrap up Undone, which I would so I would heartily recommend. Is one of my favorite things I've seen in the last year. Uh, I don't know if the ending is going to work for everybody. I don't know if there's going to be another season of it. Um, but I reckon the journey is more than worth it. Uh, 100% recommend. Um, I also watched. What's your Amazon Prime password? That's I'll, I'll, I'll offer that. It's it's I I love George sixty nine sixty nine. Um, but you need my email nice. address as well. Shit. Nice. Um, I uh, also watched Richard Stanley's first film in twenty something years, uh, Color Out of Space, starring Nicolas Cage. 
um, wow. which is a HP Lovecraft adaptation from Spectrevision, who also made uh, Mandy, another Nick Cage movie that I thought was fucking amazing. Um, and I got to say, I loved the hell out of this movie. Um, I'm already a sucker for Lovecraft stuff. And this movie was just the perfect blend of insanity and incomprehensible horror and awesome. amazing visuals uh, on a really s- small budget with just a really fun Nicolas Cage performance anchoring the whole thing. Um, I don't know if you could really say Nicolas Cage anchors anything. Um, oh, come on. He definitely does. I think he's, <laughs> he's more like flying out yeah. in the stratosphere and they're like trying to hold him down. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm really hoping I can go see this again tonight. Um, because one viewing is not enough. I love the hell out of this. Is this the second viewing tonight? I would like to go to that, yeah. Is there another one? There is not. Damn. <laughs> Sounds cool. Uh, yeah, so that's me. So let's get on to the news. I'm so sorry. What, just quickly, what would you compare that film to? As a Color film? Out of Space? Yeah. Ah, uh, far out. I don't even know right now. Um, it's, it's clearly like a low-budget film, not in the sense that the production isn't there it's it's got an amazing kind of set of visual effects um uh special effects uh you know nick cage is obviously the lead which love him or hate him um i don't know it's really something else okay which i think is perfect for a lovecraft story cool yeah nice one recommend um anyway onto the news we just of course had the other day the 92nd academy awards um, and the lowest viewed ever. The lowest ratings they've gotten since uh, the ratings started getting collected in the 70s, um, which is not uh, not a great sign for them because they had a bit of a spike last year. Um, so they this decided to go so hostless low again. consequence, low. Like the Oscars have never felt less relevant. Which is weird for me because I think this is the best list of nominations I've ever seen from them, just based on the strength of the films last year. Like, I don't think in almost any category there was a wrong answer. So that has nothing to do with the Oscars. That just has something to do with, like, the strength of the films that came out last year? Totally, yeah. But I'm saying that makes it feel completely inconsequential (laughs) because every category could go to any nominee and be like, yep, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas there was no, like... Ooh, Green Book could win it this year. I'm like, fuck you, better not fucking win it this year. It brings it into the conversation. I think that's the important thing of the Oscars, and I've always shat on the Oscars, but like today at work, you know, everyone was talking about the Oscars, Mm. and I'm like, okay, it's good that Parasite and these films are being brought into the conversation Mm. because without that vehicle, you know, say what you will about the Academy. I mean, I've got my qualms. We've talked about it at length on this podcast, but, you know, at the same time, it's cool that we get that. I'm getting articles all over my Facebook feed and whatnot. Everyone's talking about I, it. I certainly agree with that when something like Parasite wins. Um, I think but every more year, often every than not, year it's talked about, the Oscars. Yeah, no, but I mean, I think more often than not, it's films that don't really need another boost. Like when was the last time that something won the like best picture that came out of left field that I'm not even talking about more? necessarily the individual... Film. I'm just talking about but film movies. in general. Yeah. Okay. I, I I understand what you're saying. E- even even saying like, why did that film win? Yeah. That's good. Sparks a conversation. In exactly. That. Yeah. I think the closest there was to an upset this year was with Best Picture. So with the the most prestigious award, which is cool, with um, Parasite winning, which I think had like three to one odds or something. Uh, 1917 was by far the front runner. Um. So that was really cool. And uh, Bong Joon Ho took took away Best Director as well. Incredible. Um, which, yeah, is 
is cool because we all like that movie a lot. And it was I great to have seen him there live, you know, before yeah. seeing the film. Yeah, I feel yeah, like I connect name dropping. With, <laughs> I connect with this so much more. I feel like I helped make this movie somehow. <laughs> I said I met you that time, Bob. Thanks, he asked man. me that screening, should I change the ending? I'm like, no, mate, leave it how it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, was there anything else that struck you uh, about um, a Joker? Of course, one for best actor and best score, which I'm sure you're very happy about. I think that's yeah. the big one. I really appreciated that she got um, recognized for that. Because Hilda. I think Hilda Gustafsson. Yep. Gustafsson? <laughs> Hilda. How do you say it? Gustafsson? Uh, no, I have no idea. That's an incredible last I'm name. not going to. Hilda but, Composer. Anyway, she's fantastic. <laughs> Composer lady. <laughs> and first woman, I think, in 32 years or something to win an original score. That's insane. Um, best cinematography, I was very happy to see as well. Roger Deakins got his second Oscar for in 1917. Because... He went 14, I think, nominations without winning, despite being by far the best cinematographer in Hollywood possibly ever. Um, and he finally got his first one for Blade Runner 2049 and now again for 1917. Um, I still he should haven't seen that. Keep shit. doing movies with years in the title, I guess. Um, but yeah, more than deserved, uh, even more than 2049, I think, because that movie was um, amazingly put together. I, I don't know why, but I'm a bit upset that Scarlett Johansson didn't take anything away. Um, I felt like this was a really good year for her. Um, yeah, so she she lost in both uh, Best Actress and, and Best Supporting Actress. Yeah. I mean, amazing she was nominated for both, though. Amazing as in, like, you don't think that she should have been? No, amazing I mean, like, what an amazingly impressive... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so instead of, like, yeah. you're just like, <laughs> damn shocked, and I was like, all right, fuck. Sorry, um, I didn't realize Parasite also took Best Original Screenplay. Mm. Wow. So it what, had three Oscars. Four. What was the fourth one? Uh, uh, I'm oh, not quite sure right now, but wow, that's... That's incredible. Best director, best picture, um, best uh, best best adapted screenplay, I believe. Or um, listen, let's and, just, no, no, and and international film, it won best. Oh, international that's right, film, that's the one. Film. Yeah. Listen, um, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this: best sound editing versus best sound <laughs> mixing. So, taking it away for best sound editing is Ford v Ferrari. What made it for mixing? Nineteen seventeen. Wow. I mean, those are the obvious picks for those two categories. I think the mix was just that much better on 1917. But, but the, the editing. Edits, I want someone to sit sounds. me down and explain this shit. I genuinely do. They won't like, be able we to. We could definitely find out by reading like the top three blogs in Google search. Probably, but I refuse to do that. I want someone to, I love, I want someone to explain it to me. I don't want to ever know. I want to, <laughs> I like this. This is so I much more fun. This. I just love this. So, uh, hey, the mystery continues. Yep. I think overall, I think a, a good, you know, good speeches. Taika Waititi took away uh, best adapted screenplay, mm. and uh, I thought his speech was great. He was very emotional and uh, wore his heart on his sleeve. It was good to see. Adapted screenplay is always such an interesting category of what they deem is adapted and what isn't. Like, from all accounts, what he based Jojo Rabbit on is nothing like that film. Like, it's not comedic at all, which. Uh, Already sets it apart very That's why much. So. Adapted. Yeah, I mean, he, he adapted, adapted it from it the Second What's World War. The copy paste <laughs> screenplay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, the, yeah, I really think a great year for for the picks. The the only one I would really take issue with, and I know this might hurt you, George. Um, was Toy Story 4 winning Best Animated Feature. Oh, Bullshit. yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> um, I've only seen... I didn't seen, want to bring it up, man, but... I've only yeah. seen two of the nominations, Toy Story 4 and How to Train Your Dragon 3, and I would have picked the other three nominations above those for yeah, various easily. reasons, even I though I haven't easily. seen them. I would have put the Irishman ahead of that, <laughs> and I definitely think uh, it qualifies. I'm just gl- I, uh, the only saving grace of that is that I'm glad that 
the Lion King didn't win. Yes. <laughs> or, or get nominated. Or get nominated, yeah. Frozen uh, 2. Irishman, uh, Netflix went away pretty empty-handed. Yeah, Irishman lost nine categories. <laughs> Marriage Story didn't take anything. Laura Dern. Oh, yeah, of course. Sorry. Supporting actress. Supporting I'm, actress, I'm a bit upset that uh, Marriage Story didn't get more... Um, <laughs> More credit. I thought that was a really they get they get nominated awesome now though at least because like they also got snubbed for Dolomite is my name which I don't think got any nominations. Have you seen which that was yet? A real, Yeah, which was a real bump. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, really fun. It's movie. been on my watch to uh, to watch list on Netflix for a while. I'm mm. I'm keen to check that one out. So wait, was oh no, best supporting actress Scarlett Johansson, Jojo Rabbit. Okay, no, right, gotcha. It was no, no, Laura, Laura Dern for its marriage. Sorry, sorry, I was just looking at the, yeah, the yeah. category. <laughs> All right, should we move on? Anything else that you guys want to talk about with the Oscars? Nope. No, I'm glad it's over. I, I Every year I'm like, oh, the Oscars are so fucking lame and the nominations come out. I'm like, oh, well, I, I actually yeah, right. care about Let's it a little bit. Let's talk about it. But then by the time the show actually rolls around, I usually don't give a shit. But, well, there's uh, always so many other award shows and I kind of get sick and tired of hearing about who's won what. And like, yeah, I get it. It's, it's nice to recognize these people, but like there's about 40 different awards before we get to the Oscars and they're all kind of like... Felt a little less, less painless this year, I feel. It's kind of Definitely. gone kind of in the blink of an eye. Yeah. I think it's, for me at least, it's because it just feels less relevant. Than ever. Yeah. Oh, well. Some ways. Maybe time to go away, Oscars. Um, next up, this news came out of the blue, pretty much straight after we recorded <laughs> last week, I feel. Um, Sam Raimi, of all people, is in talks to direct Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. No, he's um, directing it, dude. He's locked in? Dude, no, he is directing oh, right. yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> you didn't pick up on that? So still, still in talks. Um, as far as no, we know, no, everyone lo- was reporting. His I mean, name is fucking happening. When this stuff gets reported, it is usually pretty locked in. Um, apparently, he has already kind of brought someone on to rewrite the script. Okay. Um, so I think he's, I think he's pretty on board. But um, and that person is actually the the writer for Loki, which is just another example of um, the MCU really tying their movies into these series. Uh, but yeah, Sam Raimi uh, is. Really surprising. He hasn't directed a movie in about eight years. Um, Oz the Great and the Powerful, starring James Franco, if you guys remember, and Zach yeah. Braff. Um, that movie was terrible. That was. I never saw that. Don't. I just it's like so I love Sam. Yeah, I know. I, I, I love Sam Raimi, but yeah. And before that was like what? Um, Spider Man. No. Uh, There's a no, uh, the horror. What? what you, yeah. Um, oh, the one um, with the old lady. Where drag she puts me to hell. Drag me, drag me to hell. hell. Yeah. One of my Which is favorite great. horror yeah. films. Yeah. That was one of your favorite. Yeah, I love that film. Yeah, it's awesome. I wanted to go back to horror. And we've said a couple times on the pod, what is Sam Raimi's next move? And I don't think anyone thought this caliber of director who has already been involved in the Marvel Universe. Infamously. To come in. Like they're normally picking up the, the young talents that have got one or two features yeah you know they're not going for someone who presumably would know what they want and how to get it especially after the experience that he had on spider-man 3 where apparently he really got jerked around on it um and kind of hated the experience so they must have schmoozed him pretty hard for this very interesting move i'm so interested in this choice like if, if i really think about it if i think about where um his sensibilities lie in filmmaking and what the tone of the Marvel universe, as well as specifically Doctor Strange's, I don't. He w- he certainly wouldn't be the person that I first thought of. Yeah, I think he's a very good fit for the material, but a very strange fit for, for the, the specific series, given the yeah. first film, which is so far from a Raimi film. Like, not an ounce of silliness in that movie, yeah. less so than almost any MCU film. That's I, a really straight laced movie. I think 
that little bit of silliness that Raimi will bring in, in check with the physical comedy needed. that he does, that is so fitting. And his, his horror vibes. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think the Doctor Strange that we've kind of seen grow through Infinity War and Endgame, I think will fit much more into this, this version. Yeah. And my assessment I, of it was I thought that they were going to go for a much safer director because... Uh, Scott Derrickson left. That's yeah. How could assumed. it be safer than Scott Derrickson? We, we, but like, I was thinking like, okay, this is, we've been talking about like, this is a cornerstone of phase four. Mm, you know, yeah. this is a really important film. Are they going to bring in a more squeaky clean director? And yeah, maybe in some ways you can look at Sam Raimi in that way. But Sam Raimi, I think it was like the, the, you know, the gritty, grimy yeah. horror yeah, director. kind of, you fun, know. Fun, entertaining. Yeah. Mm. And that's, that's why I didn't, well, still, I, like Spider-Man, he can bring in he bring in those other elements, you know. So he has a diverse range of things that he can do. Yeah, I just i i don't I don't see him as someone that would necessarily play ball in a universe. Um, you know, hit the you know, obviously the the people that are directing these kinds of films within the MCU, they need to to look up and and get the okay from Feige on points. Like after he was supposedly manhandled. Um, in uh, on Spider-Man three, it, it seems like a very odd choice to go with him for something that is very heavily produced, um, to the point where they just they took the last director off. Mm. So creative differences, creative differences. <laughs> but that, that that's a thing, right? Like, how is Sammy, Sammy, oh. how is Rami the 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 choice to? To, to like, toe the company line. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really... It I'd say it's a really encouraging choice because I, I had this movie pegged as the, the linchpin for the entire next phase yeah. that they were going to really force into being a specific product. But they've chosen uh, essentially an auteur to come on to direct it. So unless he's just in here for the paycheck, which, you know, he did Oz the Great and the Powerful, so who freaking knows? But... um. I, I think this is a very interesting choice yeah. and I'm, I think, I'm more excited I now. I think Feige is just nerding out here and fanboying and saying like, I oh, love I this get dude. Mm. Yeah. And get also, on this. just on, a, on a, a slight tangent, we're dealing with the multiverse now in the MCU. Do you reckon he could get his old, old pal Tobey Maguire? Oh, to make a little appearance it's in here. I mean, they—they they, they already I had it's the next, in there. I reckon it's the new frontier, man. Crossing over of like IPs from other fucking eras is, and franchises. This page that I follow, we got this covered or something, and I don't know why I haven't unliked this page, <laughs> but it comes up with. I say every every second day, Toby Maguire, Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Uh, little old mate, they come in. They're a multiverse live action Spider Man is in the pipeline. I guarantee Get your you, ass ready. I guarantee they I were go? reporting when when Danny Elfman came on to Age of Ultron to do a little extra scoring. Everyone was like, oh, "Are they introducing Spider Man? Are they bringing Toby in?" <laughs> it's like, no, he's just a very no, prolific no. film scorer. He just <laughs> needs money. Um, yeah. So look, I, I ultimately, I, I I almost would have preferred to see Rami on 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 uh, a bit more of a to the side project, not for the prevalence of the project, but just more because I feel like that would have had more flexibility. Like if this was, um, uh, Dr. Strange one, ha, oh, little, like little to no consequence within the overall universe mm. really. Um, doesn't even fit in directly into any kind of timeline. It's going to feel like 100%. Dr. Strange one. I feel after all this, I stuff- don't think it can because, because it is so integral, I think going forward, I, maybe no I should way. rephrase to say, I think it's going to feel like its own unique thing. I, I really right. do think. And, and to be honest, I would have liked to have seen a horror Sam Raimi feature just as much. He hasn't made a feature in eight years. That sucks. Mm. I'm hungry for anything. So whatever he does, I'm there day one, hundred percent. 
Um, just a final note on this. C. Robert Cargill came out the other day, one of the old Spill crew who we used Dude. to follow. He wrote, he wrote the first Doctor Strange with Derrickson. Um, and he said they never actually had a stab at delivering a draft for Doctor Strange 2. So they were removed before they even did that. Wow. Um, or left before they even did that. What's he doing these days? Not where? writing Doctor Strange 2. <laughs> where, where did you find that information? Uh, I don't know. I saw an article about okay. it. He tweeted um, regarding yeah. the all right. the whole situation. I missed that, dude. Um, all right. Next up, Birds of Prey scores the lowest box office opening for any DC film in over a decade. Um, so it made $33 million in the US, $48 million internationally. Um, just for a comparison... Um, Suicide Squad made one hundred and thirty-three million in its opening weekend in the U.S., so that's one hundred million less. It's certainly fighting a more uphill battle than Suicide Squad was. I mean, Suicide Squad had um, an enormous marketing budget because I, I remember before that movie came out, I was like, "I'm pumped." Yeah, they had they they hit all the right notes. This is I haven't seen marketing. this anywhere. I haven't seen this on Facebook. I haven't yeah. seen this in YouTube pre-roll. And it's a sequel to a movie everyone thought was really shit. Uh, which definitely it's, doesn't uh, help. No, it's it as not well. even a sequel; it's a spin-off sequel mm. um, of one of the characters that people sort of enjoyed out of that, or some people really enjoyed out of that. Mm. that so movie. the only saving grace here is that this movie was much more modestly budgeted budgeted than most of these DCU films. Eighty-five um, million. Yeah, eighty-five, kind of to a hundred, uh, was a production budget. So it's it's going to do fine, but it's probably like it opened twenty million less than like Shazam, even. Um, like this is the worst opening since Jonah Hex for them. Um, this did 20 million less wow. than Green Lantern wow. as well. Um, so that's a real bummer for them because I really feel like DC's been on on the uptick lately. That's I think what it's I just thought. such bad timing releasing it now right in the middle of Oscar season when all these prestige films are getting all the attention. And like you said, the marketing wasn't necessarily quite there. Uh, just, yeah. I think there's just a couple of things working against it. Mm. But, you know, I think, you know, Margot Robbie has done like handed in a really good piece here, and it's a shame that less people are going. You know, it is what it is. Um, but it doesn't even feel like there was that much of like a targeted hate campaign against this film, like no, we saw no. with Captain Marvel. Like, it's, like it's, I know the it's, incels think, are definitely out there yelling about I, it, but I, it's not that but, that but, loud. But you know, you think product market fit. You know, oh, you can't. You know, female superhero. You know, can that work? Well, look at case in point, Captain Marvel. That's a first-time feature. No, like that's not a character that everyone knows and it yeah. cracked a billion. Mm. So I don't think that's necessarily much of an excuse. I, I truly believe that the Suicide Squad thing, that that's really hurts massive, it. And, and the, the, R, I didn't see it anywhere. I and the R rating has shut out a lot of the potential Definitely. audience for it too. So I think they were going for a little bit of a kind of dare, um, or a, a Deadpool type vibe in Definitely. terms of oh, yeah. uh, in terms um, of everything yeah yeah and 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 you know the say you know whether you like or don't like deadpool and ryan reynolds that man knows how to market shit like 100%. ryan reynolds has a is movie gin? coming out yeah yeah his gin well, commercials his gin, are incredible he had some brilliant uh ads going out for i think it was mint mobile or some shit like that in um america um the man is a fucking master marketer definitely um and I just didn't really feel as though this movie, um, I mean, this movie should have spent an enormous amount of money to get that out there and to try and combat the bad press and the bad taste in the mouth that was left there by Suicide Squad. 
Yeah, so really interesting position that this leaves the Suicide Squad in for next year, James Gunn's film, because, of course, they have a really good kind of point of marketing, which is from the creator of Guardians of the Galaxy. That's really helpful for them. But otherwise, it's a follow-up to this movie, which isn't doing well, and a, a direct sequel or reboot, or in the eyes of the public, at least, it'll look like a sequel, I guess, um, to a movie that everyone hated, once again. Um, and they're also going for the R rating, I think. So... I feel like they may be having a bit of a scramble behind the scenes right now for that one, uh, which is a bummer because I'm really looking forward to that. Let's hope not. Like, oh, they're they definitely can, having they a scramble. Work. That's, that's 100% <laughs> happening right now. They can definitely right make it work. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I, and, hope, and, I hope they just stick to their guns on it. And, and hopefully they're this James film, guns. Yeah. you know, <laughs> Birds of Prey, hopefully it cracks. A billion dollars somehow. <laughs> I hope it cracks 200 million or 250 yeah. and then that's a, that's a solid little innings. Yeah. Should we move on to the next topic? Onwards and upwards. Um, we mentioned this briefly a few weeks ago, but Knives Out is officially getting a sequel now. And just to hear from the man himself, Ryan Johnson, he says, um, I don't even think of it in terms of like a sequel. The same way Agatha Christie wrote a bunch of Poirot novels, whole new cast, whole new location, whole new mystery. It's just another Benoit Blanc mystery, um, which I think is really encouraging. I like that idea. Um, that was a really fun character, but that movie was so focused thematically uh, in a lot of ways, uh, and he was sort of an ancillary character or secondary character as well. I thought he was going to be more so the main protagonist. Exactly, but he took yeah. A bit of a backseat. Yeah. So I think the idea of really making this a different thing that he's in again is is cool. Yeah, I hope they take a similar approach. Maybe you can focus in on him a little bit more, but if he becomes the main protagonist. You know, I liked how he was playing with the genre conventions mm. and Ryan Johnson, he will do it again in this one and how will he play with it? Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Maybe Benoit That's, Blanc will be, you know, the murderer at the end yeah. of the day. Oh, I really feel as though he's going to have to come out of left field in order to, to deliver a sequel that, the, the, as you said, that subverts expectations, especially since the, the first one was about subverting expectations it'd be like trying to do a cabin in the woods too you know the whole that would be very difficult given where yeah, 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 <laughs> but i mean even if you take out that like you know um that aspect of it i just think that he made a statement by kind of uh, altering the the narrative of of how those work or how that style works um does it does it work a second time right? yeah he'd essentially have to just think up an entirely original new idea that he could somehow involve that character in. Yeah. Like, I think it would have to be a very different film. Um, how about this? Origin story. Oh. Benoit Blanc rises. I'm going to stop you now. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I want Rami Malek as Daniel Craig younger, and I want them to clone... Oh, this and they show no, him. Let's they show him. Let's just move on. All, the, <laughs> all, all, all your all your mysteries have all been connected the entire time. Yeah, they show him meeting Anna de Armas <laughs> as a kid, <laughs> being like, "Years from now, we'll meet again." <laughs> Fuck you, the Hobbit. Left <laughs> <laughs> Um. All right, and finally, man, they just keep keep it up with this stuff. Craven the Hunter. Or uh, what, what's the other title, George? Craven the Motherfucker. Is looking to cast the lead role. So they're really moving ahead with this thing. This is, of course, a Spider-Man uh, third-tier villain, Craven the How Hunter. How is this news? How, uh, well, I bring shit up every week. You're like, nah. 
They're looking to cast. No, I just think because... I'm taking you to task on this one. They're really officially moving forward with this. Like, they've released a description of the character. And apparently they're looking... It's Craven the motherfucker. Apparently they want to tie it directly into Spider-Man. So it's not just going to be, like, your Venom or Morbius. Like, he's just a standalone Spider-Man villain without Spider-Man. Looks like they're actually going to make this Spider-Man adjacent. Um, which I think could be really fun watching a Spider-Man film from the villain's perspective. Okay. Potentially. Oh. So, wait, so Spider-Man will essentially be the... Ba- the an- They've just released a description of the character, which has described him as a man in his late 30s or 40s um, who wants to become the best hunter in the world by killing Spider-Man. Right. So they are directly tying him in as a villain of Spider-Man. Okay. Um, which I think is kind of interesting. And I also thought it'd be fun if we could try and cast him on the show. Because I'm thinking Joe Manginello is Ooh, perfect okay, for the yeah, fucking yeah. role. All right, all right. <laughs> well, he's been um, cast as everyone. I know. <laughs> and he's no, never right, actually I'll, made I'll, it to I'll, the I'll role. He's Deathstroke and he's never <laughs> actually... I'll OD. Uh, Nicolas Cage. Fuck yes. <laughs> this could be a sequel to his little leopard movie. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's his origin story. <laughs> and this, <laughs> that's literally what I was thinking. Oh, my God. What, what sort of age is Craven the motherfucker? He literally Late. just said it. Like... Sorry, Literally I was I was, I was trying to remember John Malkovich's name <laughs> as I was staring off in the distance. Uh, late thirties, forties. Sorry, I'm late sorry. 30s, it's such an okay. odd detail to include in a bio, like, or not even just an odd detail, but it's an oddly specific thing. detail to include. And <laughs> the question that you asked is also oddly specific. Well, I'm just thinking like John Malkovich, thirty to forty. Yeah. <sighs> um, so you can de aging. This is chuck a hundred million at de aging. This is a completely out of left field question. But just because you've said John Malkovich, have either of you previously watched or are watching the new Pope? No, no. I'm so confused. Is have is the it's the two the, popes. is the young Pope still going? I don't know. I, it's, have you ever? Did it's you watch the same the, thing? Right? Yeah, yeah. Is, did, so did is this it? like a sequel show? I don't know. As best I can, as best I can guess, mm. the other one's in a coma. I love it. I fucking love it. Have you watched any of it? No, but it yeah. sounds awesome. I'm I so on board. I don't know anything the, about this. It's the most on board I've been for a series that I've never invested any time into. Yeah, like near as I could tell, there was <laughs> the young can pope you, for a season. Pictures? So, all right, the uh, from what I can gather, and again, Jude Law no plays idea. the young pope. Yeah, in the and first like season a, of a the young pope, scandalous. And he's young, like a sexy young sexy oh, Catholic church is cool, maybe. And then out of nowhere, in season two, John Malkovich is now the pope. The pope. But is all equally as debaucherous or equally as, as corrupt, maybe? And the show's called The New Pope. The New Pope. Not The Young Pope. So it's the whole, this whole Popeverse is like... I'm so on board. out there. You I know. know I gotta, we got to watch you know this what? show. For, for the rest of podcast so existence, invasive. let's never watch this, but rave about this show. <laughs> on a, every top 10 list. On, like posters and <laughs> um, odd clips. Do you know which <laughs> streaming service that we definitely have but aren't sure of uh, it's on? Uh, it is on SBS. Yeah. Uh, but that's free. Yes. Annoyingly has trailers in it. And Where's it from that it's on SBS and not something you pay for? Mate, the new um, season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine is on SBS. That's interesting. It's on Netflix? Uh, uh, up to season six. But SBS has the new episodes of season seven as Whoa, they come out. How weird. I right? just the other day that Stan has all of Doctor Who instead someone, of ABC, I guess. I'm like, I will that's be really honest. cool. Someone in SBS is doing a fucking fantastic job at getting properties. But that's when it switched. Didn't NBC pick it up? So there must be something to do with the licensing deal with it. Yeah, yeah, something. But it's odd. They, they only have, they have seasons two 
and six and the new episodes of seven. That's it. I'm surprised SBS is picking up that caliber of show. So am I. I'd and this is like some like weird a, embezzlement thing. I literally really don't, that I don't know understand. anything about what the TV channels are anymore. Here's my, here's they, my sort of solid decade. genuine <laughs> confusion, I guess, with, with the state of streaming and all that. SBS is a free service. Um, uh, it's one of the main channels in Australia, one of the yeah. main free channels. And, and, um, and they, they have an on-demand platform now that runs ads, really annoying ads, um, but but you can get some pretty good pretty good properties on there, um, uh, and they have things like uh, Letterkenny or or the New Pope or some some other like big or, or Brooklyn Nine Nine, which are really big gets. Um, Letterkenny isn't well, Letterkenny isn't, <laughs> but that's the re- that's the only reason that I initially signed up to SBS. Wow. Um, so they're obviously their their talent acquisition is is in terms of shows is is really spot on. Mm. Um, but yeah, like it's, I, and I would definitely pay for SBS wow. with its current outline. Not much, like <laughs> two bucks. I don't know. Um, no, seven nine nine. If they, if they did an entry. premium pricing. No, no, if they did an entry level pricing like Amazon Prime did when it came to Australia, I would 100% sign up to that shit. And then they could just like subtly jack up the price behind my back, like Amazon Prime. Did. After you think you've canceled it. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly I'm paying, you know, three times as much, but, mm. uh, which is still not that much, but, um, uh, yeah, just wait. SBS, well done on your thing. Your commercials about how you're so much better than Netflix and Stan and and all the other streaming platforms. Stay in your fucking lane. That always but, sounds like irony. We're like it's, it is like they're like a commercial oh, for how a platform with no commercials. Stuff? You don't have to pay with us, and then conveniently forget that we still have to watch ads on your shit. Fucking sort your shit out. It's like Fuck. all those goddamn Blu-rays that you get that have that big thing at the beginning, like "Thank you for buying a Blu-ray." It's like <laughs> fuck <laughs> off. I'm <laughs> downloading the next one. Yeah, yeah. steal a child. But it's not even thank you for like because at least Blu-ray seems like they're trying. They're like, we know that you didn't need to do this. Thanks. Mm. SBS is actively saying, "Isn't this better than Netflix?" We're <laughs> like, "No." How good are we? No. Yeah, they always no, 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 no. Me. You have. Like, I did the right thing, dude. Yeah, yeah. you have. Like, don't punish you me. You have like. Some shows that are worth me signing up, like kudos to that, but also stay in your fucking lane. Whoa. Anyway. What time is it? It's trailer, <laughs> it's trailer time. Don't, don't do that anymore. Now, this is a banger week for trailers. I'll tell you what. If you thought that just because the Super Bowl was last week and they put all the big trailers out and there were none left. You, know you were wrong. I'll tell you, know what? you what. I'm really happy with the trailers. They're yeah. not very many. There's only two of them, but yeah. I'm really happy with both of these trailers. So... First, we've got Spiral from the Book of Saw. And can I just say, <laughs> following up from our conversation last week about naming conventions and F9 and the uh, Fast Saga, I am I, I, I want to know from anyone that is watching, what is your favorite naming convention for, for a sequel or for a series or anything like that? Well, you've never heard of the Book of Saw before? Yeah. <laughs> the famous several movie franchise, the uh, Book of Saw? You know, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Well, what, 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 okay, what else can we get? Blank, the Book of Saw from the Book of Saw. You know, Teapot from the Book of You know, where are we going here? Razor Wire from the Book of Saw. Like, what, where does this, what are the possibilities it, it that this like, naming convention it feels brings like, to this franchise? Well, I think we've solved like, a problem. Well, I think we've solved a problem we had last week, which is... Fast and Furious 10 from the Book of Saw. <laughs> exactly. Which could F-10. be an interesting no, no, no. crossover. But it, for me, it's, it, it feels a lot yeah, like sorry. a Star Wars story. Like it's just whatever. It's, it it's, definitely does. It's just like we can't make any more variations on the word Saw and Jigsaw. Let's, Let's just call it just, Spiral. Yeah. But how do they know it's Saw? Yeah. From the Book of Saw. Clown. But they're movies from, from the, the Book, Book of Saw. Saw. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. the trailer itself looks 
like it looks nice. Chris Rock decided to make a Saw fan film for some reason. Um, we, he's, we, we, he's a massive fan. We broke this news like a year ago or whatever. Mm. Um, Chris Rock, yeah, decided to come on as an executive producer on a new <laughs> Saw we movie. Broke this news. <laughs> we broke it. Yeah, we yeah. were the first ones to hear about got this. The hot tip. I got. Chris's I talk to Chris agents. every week. Yeah. yeah. Um, and. It's very interesting to me. They seem to be going more down the police procedural route. It's definitely looks like from Saw a different 1. angle, yeah. It looks a lot more like Saw 1, exactly, mm. which I, I like. I think they're going less down the grotesque. Do you think this has any surprises up its sleeves, like uh, tonally or in terms of genre? Because Chris Rock, is he's a funny man. I don't think he's done much dramatic work. Uh, let's see, man. I kind of uh, hope it doesn't. I yeah. hope that he does a straight drama i mean as as dramatic as this kind of role could be but like i i really like watching comedians do serious serious work they generally adapt to it very well yeah but he you know i don't know how much of an actor it it all depends on whether or not they stick to the convention of having the big twist at the end Mm. which they probably will Mm. i think that's one of the what reason why people love saw is the whole what the fuck well, there's you two there's moment. two types of Saw fans that, at least from what I can tell, there's those that really enjoy Saw One, who love the kind of intrigue, the industrial, the, the, grimy, yeah, and and and, and the kind of um, the other camp, which is like we want to see people get fucked up, um, and and the third kind who's just read the synopses of every film on Wikipedia and looked at the or they don't at really the like the gore so much, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think kind of fits into the first Whoever camp a little do that. bit. Um, um, so this trailer on its own, I think, looks very good. Like visually, yeah. it looks like the best Saw film in ages. Um, looks very much like a. Um, oh, actually, the last one looked really good. Too. Like seven. Yeah, I'm getting serious seven vibes out of it. Yeah, definitely. Does does anything in this trailer look like? There's anything differentiating it from the first Saw? Like it really just looks like that Saw. I don't think it's even to the point where he's in the much. bathroom with the the Saw. This isn't alluding to much. Let's see. Mm. Sam uh, Jackson it looks though. competent. Yeah. I think I need to rewatch Spiral one. I haven't watched that in years. <laughs> I don't think you need to rewatch it. Yeah, you need to go through all seven. Just get scrolled <laughs> no, up don't. on the mythos. You need no to watch idea. Saw 3D, the final chapter, if that's what oh, that was good. called. Did you really? No. Saw oh. 3D, the final chapter from the Book of Saw. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Saw 1. I'm probably going to leave it at that, to be honest. Okay, let's just, let's good just leave that where You really like. want to drag us to Jigsaw. We never did that. Yeah, uh, you, you know were, what? You I watched insistent. the first scene of Jigsaw and it was so bad. I was like, "Damn, not of it." And I'm, I was that the Spearig Brothers. You were defending the that thing Saw to the death. Fan. Yeah. Was that the Spearig Brothers or who was yeah. that? Spearig Brothers. That's so really disappointing. disappointing. Yeah. Looked cheap. Looked terrible. Damn. Like, it was like, this, what the fuck are you guys doing? Mm. I, I thought they really dropped the ball on that one. Oh, wild. All right. Um, number two, we've got the Jesus rules. Um. Why do you make it sound like a pastry? <laughs> the Jesus Rolls? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> On a totally separate side note, I've started watching like PGA bowling. Um, oh, no, we're PB, not. PBA, 10-pin bowling on YouTube. This. I'm not, not going to watch you. It's mental. I'm going to talk to you about that every week and watch it's Connor's mental. eyes roll back like I do when you talk <laughs> about fighting. This guy's insane. What, are you a big bowling fan? I'm he a good is. bowler. He is. No, 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 there's a difference. I don't watch it, but I could talk about it. More so than I could talk about MMA. 
Mm. It's interesting to look at the techniques and the strategy, man. Absolutely. You know, hit What's the balls down here? or don't. Yep. Get it in the same groove that you've created on the wax. Sorry, on yeah. the All right. Now I'm in. Now I'm in. <clears throat> How did you even like stumble upon that? Here we go. I actually have no idea. The Where YouTube algorithm yeah. served what? me something. What? It, knew, it knows what you want before you do. Early <laughs> hour of the morning, <laughs> 1, 2 a.m. 5.47. Yeah. Were you surfing Sunday YouTube? Sunday morning. <laughs> My work alarm's going off in the, two hours. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? How like desperate for content how, were where, you? How, when, and why? <laughs> Genuinely, I need this is to honestly know, like, how the... I feel about everyone watching every sport. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, need, I need to know like what what were the like kind of the six? I, I figure that's got to be like six degrees of separation from something that you would actually genuinely go out of your way to watch. It's crazy, dude. How, honestly, how did you get there? It's crazy. Anyway, crazy story. we cannot overlook the fact that they're 20 or so years later making a spin-off from The Big Lebowski. <laughs> this isn't important anymore. But written and directed by John Totoro, reprising his character of the Jesus, the pedophile bowler I'm from a, that film. I am 100% in. The trailer's awesome. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% I, full bore into this film. I'm into this trailer. I don't know if there's any room for this movie to be any good necessarily, but the trailer on its own as like an SNL skit, I fucking love. I'm pretty lukewarm on this, man. It will almost certainly be a bad film because it it has everything going against it. You know, it's it's riding the coattails of a classic film. It's following a side character that, you know, people love because it didn't have to drive the plot. Like it- He was just weird. He was just weird. Um, Like this movie has- Nothing going for it. In good terms director. Of like, John Starr has made some good movies. I mean, yeah, but like, I mean, in terms of like, in the grand scheme of things, there's nothing about this movie that really screams to me. It's going to be good, except for the trailer. Mm, there's nothing which, about this movie that answers the question of why are they making this movie? Yeah, exactly. What what angle are you taking with this that is going to make this worthwhile Gen watching? John Turturro looks amazing, though. He looks exactly oh, yeah. like he did <laughs> in the Big Lebowski. <laughs> he looks exactly like he did. Yeah, they in actually the say in the trailer, like, you look good. He's like, I look fucking great, man. I'm like, you really do look good. Man. Yeah. That man does not age. Mm. Seems like I'm, I'm just not sure if this is falling into place. Mm. Do you guys I, like the Big Lebowski? I love, yeah. love, but I, I, you know, it's been five, five years or something since I last saw it. But mm. it's been you know, least that, yeah. is I don't know. We always talk about this when the spin-off character mm. isn't always going to be as good as the 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 original and. I'm just not seeing if this this is going to land. Mm. I'd love to know how much of a blessing you got from the Coen brothers or any involvement they may have in the, the yeah. story or character. Fuck that. I. Yo. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, sir. <laughs> well. Uh, well. We've got a little festival coming <clears throat> through. We do. We mentioned top of the show that the Fantastic Film Fest Australia is coming here shortly. Um, now, this is running in Sydney and Melbourne at the Ritz Cinema in Randwick and the Lido Cinema in Hawthorne, uh, Feb 20 to March 4th. Um, basically, it's a showcase of a bunch of extremely out there, bizarre films that you're not going to see at your, your regular theatres for, for standard runs. Um, this is a collection, like if you like any of those those sort of A24 movies, Shutter Originals, the kind of thing that people, some people might come out of and say, what the fuck was that? Um, you know, if you're interested in these movies that push boundaries, um, kind of get a bit psychedelic, fuck with your head a bit. Movies um, that you roll the dice on. <laughs> potentially, yeah. <laughs> um, then this could be the festival for you. I, um, I saw the lineup of films that they have for this and I was utterly shocked because um, I, I think this is the first year they're doing this or... 
early one of them. I, yeah, yeah. This is year one in Australia. At least in Australia, year one. Yeah, yeah. and it's. The, the lineup of films is legitimately fantastic. Like a bunch of movies I've had my eye on for ages that I never thought I'd be able to see in a cinema. I think what's cool about this festival is kind of hitting a gap in the market where just above that underground film festival, like really grimy first feature stuff, Fantastic Film Festival is just hitting just that step above where these films have a little bit more budget or maybe some more established filmmakers and everything just mm. seems to be a little bit more sophisticated or self-assured. That's the thing. It was a really, yeah, a really surprising intersection of like, you know, really offbeat, strange films, but also a bit of prestige. Like A24 is represented several times in this festival and they are the goat. Like I will watch anything they pump out. Exactly. So it's surprising that, I don't know, just to see them struggle with distribution. Maybe these films are all terrible. Um, (laughs) But anyway, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to a couple of films. Uh, You guys? Yeah, I've I've picked out a few that I'm I'm definitely wanting to sit down and watch. Maybe maybe two reasons. films. I I specifically have two films that I would like. Maybe to two see. distinct films from each of our two distinct films. Surprisingly, <laughs> I I want to watch two films that neither of you want to watch. <laughs> I definitely don't want to watch the ones that you are bringing. We've up. we've all picked out two films. If that, is not <laughs> that we want to talk about, uh, I'd, I'd like obvious. to kick it off by oh, uh, just quickly. Fantastic Film Fest. Thanks, thanks for sending the, the money. By the way, yes, the, we all got we all got it <laughs> in our accounts. Bag of money. The we all that we all, somehow got lost in the mail. No, we all got the three dollars and fifty cents that you, we were promised. No, no, no. Three point five. We were, we were 3. promised three dollars and fifty cents. You two timing <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, one of the movies I'm I'm most keen to see in this festival is Saint Maud. Um, yeah. which is one I already had my eye on before I saw this this actual program come out. I had my um, eye on that one as well. I had my eye on it better. Um, <laughs> so this is uh, the aforementioned A24 coming in with another one of their their kind of slow burn horror movies. This looks like a, a weird kind of religious fanatic, um, possibly satanic film uh, that really the trailer makes my skin crawl. There's one shot of a, a, the girl putting her foot into her shoe that's like full of pins pointing up. And you just see the whole thing happen. And it's so like, it's not gory at all, but my God, it's visceral. Um, I can't wait to see how this movie unfolds. A twenty four and horror is just a recipe for success. This is makes me uncomfortable. Beautifully put together <laughs> mm. on every level. Looks disturbing. Looks interesting. Mm. Bring it. Uh, there was a reason why I, I picked this one before you. So, um. <laughs> um, and the other one that really jumped out at me was Horror Noir, which is a documentary actually about uh, black people in the horror genre. Um, now, this is one I heard about uh, like a couple of years ago. I believe it was made sort of an, as a response to Get Out, uh, Jordan Peele's film, and all the runaway success that had. Um, and it's a Shudder original. Now, Shudder is a streaming service that I am just begging for to come to Australia. We've been we've been waiting for that for at least a year. I know, I know. More. They said 2019. Months, yeah. They said 2019. Um, God damn it. And fair enough, I know it's hard to get, get set up and I know it's a pretty niche thing, but Give I'm just I just want to keep putting it out into the ether. You're, you're, you're so like pleasant. You're like, I don't want to rush you. <laughs> no, just, you know, it's your own <laughs> I don't want to anger you. Anything, but, you know, I get it. It's tough. It's tough. But, you know, you know, if, when you get a chance, like a... <laughs> Um, like you're talking to an ex-lover or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, this this documentary actually looks really interesting because there is one of the most famous tropes in cinema is the black, the black guy, guy dies, dies first. first. Yeah. 
Yeah, which what happened in fucking underwater that we saw, which was really surprising. Yeah, yeah. Like, no spoilers because it's not a spoiler because the black guy always dies first. Yeah, um, it is surprising that these tropes just live on so intensively, and I really want to see what this movie kind of has to say about that, and not just that. Do you of course, someone pinged that in like in a movie that was made in what is it, two thousand nineteen or two thousand eighteen? Right. Do you, Do you reckon that you know when it was being written or when it was being cast or any of that kind of stuff, someone was like. Guys, yeah. we've done that. Or, or like, I guess like someone was like, "Oh, the actually expectation is that they don't die first, so the fact that they do die first, we're subverting the subverted expectations. Maybe, just, maybe there's just enough really dumb people in Hollywood that they actually think that's a rule. There's oh, like yeah, pro- yeah, some yeah, producer yeah. who's like, I got the the new cast member for you, and no one yeah. calls him out. He's like, there you go. Yeah. Um, or, or someone just like, the, I like you'd be really good for this role, and <laughs> they just kind of like weighed up the fact, like <laughs> trope, <laughs> good for the role. <laughs> I can only give you the first three pages of the script, yeah. though. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm really keen to see those movies. How about you guys? Go for it, Connor. Um, cool. Yeah. yeah. So um, I had uh, picked out a trailer for Suicide Tourist. Um, Starring Waldo, Nikolai Costa Waldau. Yeah. And I was, I was uh, pleasantly surprised to see that that was also in this fe- uh, festival. Um, really interesting concept about a uh, suicide fantasy hotel. Um, the trailer does not give away an awful lot. Mm. Um, but this one looks it, twisty. Sorry? This one looks twisty. It does look very twisty, and mm. it looks like one of those... Um, it looks like all the good parts of... What was that weird hotel eel thing that we watched <laughs> last year? Uh, or the year before, even? Oh, um, I was going to say better living through chemistry, but that, no, that's... <laughs> uh, better... The, the Yeah, Better Living or, or... Medicine for the head and the yeah, heart. Yeah, anyway, that movie. <laughs> Gorvavinsky um, directed it. Look it up. That's not the name of the film. Better Life. Um, High Life. <laughs> What's happening? Better Call Saul. Um, <laughs> fuck, fuck. Jason Bateman. Better um, Off Ted. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it looks like all the, the aspects of that film that I really enjoyed um, kind of mixed with a bit of Shutter Island, like some themes mm. out of that. Yep. Mixed um, with Nikolai Costa-Waldo, who's one yeah. of the fucking best actors out. I will watch him in anything. Yeah, um, he's um, so good. And to so, see him kind of working with his native uh, language is really cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite interested to to check that out, and and was really pleasantly surprised when um this uh this was shown to come out in in the festival. The other one, and I'm particularly interested to to check this out, is the Mute. Wait, sorry, is it called the Mute? Yeah. Um, Which you stole off me as well. Yeah, sure, sure. All right, this is starting to be a I'm bit of so a... I'm so generous, a, guys. A, uh, paranoid, George. I'm the most generous one on the podcast. Um, <laughs> handing out movies. And the most I, humble. Yeah. I really love naturalistic <laughs> horrors. Um, I... Uh, the, like the witch. You know what? I fucking knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> I absolutely knew. I'm this and I'm that. I knew you were going to bring that up. Let's and, be and fucking was, real, I was dude. going to... to uh, bring it up, old shit. <laughs> to talk about that before you had yeah. the chance to bring it up. Um, That's an old tweet from 2011, man. Can I once, once again remind you that the reason I don't like The Witch is because it was so poorly marketed? Oh, boo hiss. You Get over the it. trailer, mate. Is the film good or not? Yeah, look, so this looks like a... a What's combina- this one about? Um, uh, so this is about two, uh, uh, missionaries, um, in, uh, medieval times that go to a, um, secluded tribe to, uh, try and proselytize. Um, it, it involves a, uh, I guess a theme, um, and some, some kind of, uh, usage of, of nature and naturalistic horror that, that really reminds me of a, like a mix of 
Valhalla and um, Apocalypto. Apocalypto. What was the Mel, mm. Mel Gibson one? Mm. Um, yeah, it looks like a kind of a mix between those two a little bit. Also um, looks a little bit Darren Aronofsky-ish. It, I definitely get what you're saying. You know like what I the mean? fountain. The fountain and also... Um, Mother? Mother. Yeah. It looks like it's very much going to be that kind of um, almost esoteric, I suppose, type of film. Come but um, and I kind of hope it's not, though. An allegorical. Yeah, I kind of hope it's not. I, I kind of hope that it is somewhat plot-driven. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, I, I, I just love... I, I love the setting. I love the... Um, uh, the, um, the time... The setting. Yeah, <laughs> the, the time setting, the, the setting, the setting, the setting. I really love the setting. Yeah, the, 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 the period, the, the location, the period, the, the period the is setting, set in. The time, <laughs> the location, the setting, the time. When the movie takes place. Uh, <laughs> I know. I'm, so, I'm, I'm just thinking about like it's really um, <laughs> just like I'm on a hill. It looks as though it's very striking uh, in terms of visuals. Uh, the um, just in, in in terms of where it's set. <laughs> um, the the, the uses of masks that look really creepy. Mm. Um, I think this is going to be a film that, as the title might suggest, is not going to be heavy on the dialogue um, and is going to be more um, kind of about... Uh, the mood? Well, the mood, yeah. And, and, and there's just like a physical storytelling as well. Mm. And that, that also speaks to why I think it looks a lot like Valhalla. That, that features a um, mute character that... Um, I remember what the first time I watched that, I was really kind of enraptured by that movie. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for this. Well, I know I explained that really well for everyone. This <laughs> thing, why? And thorough. And very <laughs> thorough. Well, I've got the dregs of the list, so <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I've got some really good picks here. It comes a Japanese film that, honestly, I'm reading the plot here and the trailer makes like very little sense. It just <laughs> looks absolutely stunning it's got that gynax 90s evangelion it's just got a really cool look to it super unique super out there um and you know just looks like it'll be on the big screen this is one of those to go see on the big screen um so i'm really excited for that one uh and the other one that looked really cool is mutant blast which is like a really schlocky. That looks extreme. This kind of looks like more. This like this one out of all the ones we talked about, I feel like sits more in that underground film festival. Mm. Um, uh, sort of. Are you, are you worried that of, this is kind of? Sometimes I get that um, grindhouse. Grindhouse is yeah, the word I'm looking that, for. That um, that kind of niggling at the back of my brain. That's like it's wacky for the sake of being wacky. With um, mutant blast. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It could and turn I, out I, to be really. Um, I always really hope meh. that there's like a something that holds that wackiness together. Like it's it's a tough line to ride. Yeah. Mother was definitely a a wacky film. You know, just because we mentioned it before, but there was definitely a narrative behind that wackiness. Um, and you could really mother kind of, wackiness. Yeah, I was thinking more like Hobo with a Shotgun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As a kind of point of comparison, which like, I really like, loved. Yeah, that's probably more apt. Yeah. Like, I no, I mean, like, uh, it's probably it's Mother. Like, it, it just kind of just out there concepts and yeah. whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Hobo I know with a Shotgun is probably a more... Well, I think of Wacky, I think, hi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Toxic Avenger. And I definitely think Mutant Blast. And, and, and I, I think what you're saying is true. Like, it could just be a little too much. And I think mach mach Machete, mm. you know, it kind of starts to get a little bit old yeah. after a while. 
so this could definitely fall in that park. But I'm always down to just give these ones a shot. They can always just be you have a few good laughs. And, yeah, a few beers. You don't see many many of them either. No, no definitely not. Let's. Uh, well, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's just a few movies that we're looking forward to yep. for the fantastic film festival Australia. Um, like I said, Feb twenty to March two, uh, Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, the Ritz Cinema Randwick and the Lido Cinema Hawthorne. Um, I I will be there. Will you guys be there? <laughs> I'll be there. Cool. I will. Uh, yes, I will definitely be there for at least two or three films. Yeah, I would love to see more people come out and support uh, festivals like this because, like I said, this is this is some weird shit that you're and otherwise is, not going to be able to see on the big screen. This is what you know. I think the future of the cinema looks like mm. in terms of being able to present things that are a little bit off the beaten path, things that. Um, are worth seeing not on Netflix or worth seeing on the With an screen. audience, specifically. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. These, th- this is the kind of atmosphere that you want to watch a lot of these films in because mm. I think if you're alone in your living room watching some of these wackier films, it can sometimes get lost on you. Like you can, You've got so much distraction around, you mm. can kind of get bored of like weird and wacky. But if you're in that environment, if you're in a festival environment and watching these films and uh, surrounded by people that, that are you know all over the spectrum in terms of of why they've come and, and what they're interested in. It's a it's a genuinely good experience. So Yeah, it's just great to be in there with film fans, I think. That's what's so much fun about Sydney Film Fest every year. Mm. Yeah. All right, let's cap it off with question of the week. Our boy Drew Torres put this hey, one in. Thanks, Drew. And guys, if you have a question, hit us up on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. We love hearing from you. Here's the question for this week. Oh, and it's a good one. If you got to submit a question, you got to get better than this. All right. Uh, here we go. Everybody is always up in arms when they hear about studio interference. But do you know when it's been a good thing? IMO, in my opinion, Thor Ragnarok benefited from the somber Odin stuff as opposed to the goofy homeless Odin that was cut. So, you know, we did see in an earlier trailer of Thor that... Thor Ragnarok that Odin, the, uh, his death happened in the city and then they they obviously changed it to a different setting. And, you know, is that studio interference? Yeah, well, most likely. But, you know, I, I think um, it's an interesting question to, you know, sometimes, you know, is the studio actually benefiting it? When is it too much? When is it too little? Uh, where, where do you guys sort of go uh, on this on this kind of question? Um, for me, that's really tough. Two reasons that it's really tough to answer that question. One, it's so hard to know precisely what the studio influence is. There's a lot of movies that have come out that have been terrible where you have to think, all right, did the studio save what was a garbage fire and this is like the best version of what could have been? Or are they the reason that this is so bad and that if they had gone with the director's vision that it would have been that much better? And there's only a few, there are a few films that when they release director's cut, you're like, obviously the director had a, a different vision or potentially a better vision in yeah, mind. It's like if a director releases a good movie because of the studio, they're hardly going to go out and say, man, I made a piece of crap, but the studio fucking really saved me it. Out, right? yeah. yeah, so I find it really difficult to, <laughs> Thank to, you, Disney. to ping that down because, you know, there's just, you know, it's, it's really hard to gauge um, where that line lies. It's like when studio interference works, we don't call it studio interference. We just call it good directing. Yeah. <laughs> um, the this kind of speaks to what um what you mentioned in the the question um but i find that the mcu as a whole um has benefited from a very strong producing hand 
Um, and I say that not necessarily in the individual decisions of each movie, but the guiding kind of overall, you hit these points, you do these things in order to create something. And I think that that is probably the best example of a studio um, making big decisions and, and kind of manhandling potentially some some decisions uh, culminating Cumulating and cumulating? That's not <laughs> what Feige does on his pile of money. Culminating in, in things like the Avengers, which I don't think would have been possible without that uh, studio interference, if you want to call it that. Yeah, it is one of those things, you know, we can never know. Like, I think the MCU is a, is a great example of that. I think there is a slight element of homogeneity to to that that group of films. Like, I would love to see the parallel dimension where we had those 20-plus movies, like those titles just each directed by like directors who had a strong vision and didn't have a, a studio forcing them to do things. And I'm sure a lot of them would be a lot the worse. <laughs> <laughs> the director's universe. Uh, but no, I think that's Truth. just the dark mirror to the MCU rather. But, um, but yeah, you know, I think the, the best example, as you mentioned earlier, is when we see a, direct, a director's cut that isn't as good as the original. Yeah. Um, and it's, again, hard to know if that was the studio, if the director just changed their mind about some things. But I think a, a really good example is um, Donnie Darko, which the original version, you know, came out and was so weird and hard to understand and everyone kind of loved it. And, and Richard Kelly, the director, later released a director's cut, which is actually the first way I saw the film because that's how I bought it on DVD for whatever reason. Um, and it, it's so much more literal and really explains everything that's going on in that movie, and which I appreciated when I was young because I, you know, <laughs> I was just inquisitive and I wanted to know what it yeah, all meant. But, just give me the answer, right? Just yeah. give me the. <laughs> but having seen the original since um, and grown up a bit, I think in just how I watch movies, uh, I'm like, oh yeah, that was a really sick film, and whatever caused it to be released in that form initially, it was better for it. Mm. Yeah, I I think that's a really good point. I think that the original is such a better film. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, a good example here is talking or examining the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Yeah. I think that is just so fascinating to me from, uh, you know, this studio interference because... They have you know, interfered a lot. What we've heard is, you know, Ryan Johnson basically go do your film. You know, he really, there was no interference there. Mm. He got every resource and everything that he needed to. And then subsequently what happened with Rise of Skywalker, probably a lot of notes, a lot of studio interference. There's reports, whether they're true or not, Bob Iger was sending notes, you know, to, you know, three months before, you know, you know doing reshoots on Bob Iger's notes, whether that's true or not. But, you know, you can kind of feel it in the end product and, and it's, you know, but for better or like, worse, you know, is, is the film more successful when the studio is involved or not? And especially with this sequel trilogy, you know, Palpatine comes out of nowhere, Snoke dies, you know, was there a plan? Should so there have been more interference? You know, should okay, there have been that, more? Sorry, are you saying across the, the whole trilogy there have been more of a guiding hand? So you would because like, it's not and, a coherent and trilogy. consistency in the approach because mm, okay. there was such a, a there was clearly a very distinct approach across each film. Yeah, so I, I see what you're saying. So you would have liked overall over the trilogy for there to be more of a guiding hand. Rather I, than them just doing three movies worth of it in the last yeah. film. <laughs> so we're kind of talking about like a missed opportunity in this sense. Mm. I think so. Yeah. And I, I totally that- agree. I, I, I pinged this right 
when we started talking about um, uh, The Force Awakens, when we first heard that the the second movie wasn't going to be directed by um, JJ, JJ, I, it it sent a strong message, at least to myself, that there's no coherent, um, uh, I guess, story or me- uh, kind of idea of what this trilogy is meant to be. Um, and clearly, the the production company, well, Disney, didn't. Wait, don't name and shame, brother. Yeah, <laughs> didn't. Um, didn't play a really strong role in saying these are the beats that we need to hit. These are the characters that I don't know we need to keep alive or whatever it may be. Um, so, uh, or if they did, then holy crap, <laughs> maybe that 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 is a, 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 a whole terrifying thought unto itself. But it's probably um, the most interesting thing about studio interference overall is that we know so little. Yeah, it, it when this stuff comes out, it's usually decades later. And even then, it's a lot of it's a lot of it's hearsay, mm. and, and and no no one's going to actively take the blame. It's so rare that a a director will come out and be like, "Yeah, we fucked up." I don't think there has ever been, at least as far as I'm aware, a producer that has stepped up and been like, "Yeah, we fucked up." Like you know, Kathleen Kennedy didn't step up and be like, "Can't believe we manhandled that solo movie." Yeah. Um. I'll just quickly name check a movie that I think is well worth watching. The Death of Superman Lives. Oh, dude. It's a documentary about the, the Nicolas Cage Superman film that they were going to make uh, in the 90s. John Schnepp, baby. Uh, with Tim Burton that uh, really fell apart in some very interesting ways. But there was so much behind the scenes production stuff going on there. It's a fascinating story. I've also really been meaning to check out the, um, the Richard Stanley documentary or about Richard Stanley about the island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, the, yeah. Um, the it, Val Kilmer film. This is a, a, a something that I've talked about recently, which is a weird kind of connection to this, but um, the series that I just finished watching called Episodes with Matt LeBlanc and um, I always forget her name, uh, the one from Black Books. Don't think we've ever said it on the show. Fran from you Black definitely Books. have. No, not her actual name. No, oh, really? We've just no. said the character. Um, um, I can't believe how many times on the show this year we've talked about Joey from Friends. <laughs> Yeah, it's no, mind blowing. Um, my so resolution sad. was no more talking about Joey from France. <laughs> no, um, the uh, uh, the reason I bring it up is because that old major theme of that movie is about is literally about studio in, uh, interference mm. and how a writer can present some or a showrunner can present something pure and and funny and great and artistic and creative and all that kind of stuff and how the system will inevitably manhandle that into something unrecognizable lowest common um, denominator garbage exactly and I, I you know for those that i you know i don't want to present this as like a deep expose into the hollywood starring joey from friends yeah exactly. <laughs> uh because it is just a light comedy but it is it does definitely speak to that um to the in, that industry and, mm. and and that um and it's from people in the industry yeah, and exactly. I guess sometimes the most honest they can be about that stuff is through their own fiction. Yeah. In a way. Well, thanks for that question, Drew. Listen, guys, send us a question. We love hearing from you. You got us monologuing. Shoot it in. Come you on. Sly dog. <laughs> Compulation. Come on. Let's do this. Okay. Go check out our Birds of Prey review. Stay well. Stay healthy. Eat a carrot. See you next week, Connor. Uh, see ya. See ya, Bambi. I don't want to eat a carrot. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye.